Hello and welcome to your go-to Detroit Pistons podcast, The Pistons Pulse, co-hosted by me, Bryce Simon of Motor City Hoops, a former D1 Hooper and current teacher, husband, and father of three amazing kids. And I'm Omari Sanko for the second Pistons beat writer for the Detroit Free Press. Of course, we're always blessed to be joined by our guy and producer, Wes Davenport. If you aren't, check him and Jack Kelly out on DBB Live every week in the evenings, either Thursdays or Fridays. And thank you to everybody leading ratings and reviews on Apple, Spotify, YouTube. Guys, we're almost to 500 ratings between Apple and Spotify. So please get those in. Omari, I wanted to read a comment actually from the DBB comments. This was from I Like to Ride Bikes, which they spelled it B-U-Y-K-E-S. And it took me forever to figure it out until I saw their profile picture. And then once I saw the profile picture, I felt kind of dumb that I couldn't figure it out. But <laughs> they said, have not ever really been a podcast type of fella, but y'all are pulling me in. Love your show. Keep it up, bros. Listening from Grand Rapids, Michigan. That was really cool for me to see, Omari, because I, I want to ask you this as well. I wasn't much of a podcast listener until I started Motor City Hoops a few years ago. So now I listen to a ton. I probably have 10, 12 different ones in my queue. How much podcasting do you listen to outside of obviously what we do? Yeah, so I've like tried and failed to get into podcasts many times over the years. Like I've probably been dabbling in podcasts for like the last seven, eight years. And I'm kind of similar <clears throat> where I never really listened to pods before we did the Pistons Post. And now I'm still not a daily or even weekly listener, but I will drop in every now and then. Uh, obviously, you and <clears throat> Sarah Vicini on Game Theory. Shout out to you, Bryce. Um, you know, I tuned into a couple of those and, you know, Sam's great at what he does, of course. And, you know, just, you know, different Pistons pods just to, you know, I guess, figure out how I want to do certain things since I'm new or I was new to the podcasting game when I came into it. You know, it's been over a year now. So you know, I guess I can't say I'm new now, but just more so taking notes from every pods and seeing what they do, what works, what doesn't and how we can improve ours. So I'm more of a listener now, but it's more so for research than necessarily information. Yeah, that's how I am as well. Like I like to listen, and then I find myself going, oh, they do a really good job of this. Or like, if I'm being honest, sometimes I'm like, huh, I don't really like how that worked or whatever. Maybe that's something we need to be cognizant of whenever we're recording the podcast. So I do listen to a bunch of Chiefs podcasts. That is kind of fills up my cue. And Travis Kelsey, actually, him and Jason, I don't know. I think you would like it, Amari. Him and Jason Kelsey actually have a really good podcast. If, you know, I know you're into football, and then I listen to Game Theory, Winhurst, Zach Lowe. I, I, a lot of my other draft uh, NBA ones, Amari, are draft ones. You know, I, obviously I'm big into that world and it's becoming even more and more for me. And so that helps me keep up with prospects and all of that as well. So I was just interested. Wes said, starting up with Motor City Hoops and now the Pistons Pulse made me stop listening to so many Pistons pods regularly. All other non-sports podcasts, though, he still listens to. That's true. I, I support all the other Pistons stuff. Like, I obviously support Wes and Jack with DBB Live, but I'm not going to say I'm a regular listener to that as much as I love those two guys. And even some of the other Pistons podcasts that are really, really good, I don't always tune in. And it, it, it is interesting. It's just, it's an interesting world. And I was curious how into it you were before this, because like I say, before two and a half, three years ago, I wasn't into the podcast world at all. I don't know what it is about podcasts. Like I'll get like maybe 10, 15 minutes in and then I was just like, my brain just kind of goes elsewhere and I, and I started daydreaming or thinking about what I need to do for work or what I'm going to eat for dinner. So that's probably on me. I need to pay more attention to the past I listen to. But 
definitely more research down than anything else, just since, I mean, I just think there's a lot of quality podcasts, not just NBA-wise, but Pistons-wise as well. So it's been fun to dive into that. Tons of quality content out there. People are doing a great job. I think it is interesting too, people that listen to it on like one and a half speed. And I'm like, oh, I didn't even know people actually use those options, but a lot of people do. And I feel like I'm cheating the podcast if I listen to it that way. But enough, enough of that conversation. We have some really cool topics today. Wes put together a great outline for us. We're going all lineups today, guys. So we're talking starting lineups, 10-man rotation, who's going to close games, who's the best three-point shooting, floor spacing lineup, who's going to beat you, like all sorts of stuff. We'll get to as many as we can. If you're listening and watching here live on Saturday morning with us, throw in your comments and questions and we'll add that stuff into the episode as we go through it as well. But let's just start at the meet at, at where everybody's really interested right now. And that's the starting lineup. So Amari, first, I don't want to know what you would do. I want to know what you think the Pistons will do on opening night. Who do you think Monty Williams will roll out as the Detroit Pistons starting lineup? I still think probably the safest bet for that is Cade, Ivy, Boyan, uh, Isaiah Stewart, and then Jalen Duran. I think it just gives you the best balance of ball handling with Cade and Ivy. Obviously, those two guys seem like locks. Uh, Boyan, you need, I think you need some veteran savvy in that group. And we saw what Boyan did last year, I think, with Cade. Uh, his role could probably be lessened a little bit, which is probably good for him, just given just how much of a load he had to carry last year. And then that Stewart during front court, you know, obviously you expect that. Stewart will uh, continue improving as a three-point shooter. And, you know, that, that, that gives you rebounding and defense as well. So just just balance-wise, checking all the boxes, that that's seemed like the most balanced and, and likely outcome for me. Real quick, from YouTube user, they say, please no Duran Wiseman or Duran Bagley lineups. We'll get to that. I have it in my notes. We'll get to that here in just very, very soon. That was actually the same starting lineup for me, Omari. So we don't have to spend a lot of time on that. I had the same five. I do think that's who the Pistons ultimately go with. And I just want to be clear, I don't have any you know, major qualms with that. I think I'm fine if they go with that starting lineup. Let's see what Stu can do. I know there is some concerns about the floor spacing with that, right? Cade hasn't necessarily shot it well. Jaden hasn't shot it well, even though, again, we always reiterate the catch and shoot numbers were good. Boyan does space the floor. Stu is still kind of developing that and trying to show that he can really do it and prove it. Now let's talk about what we would do, Omari. So if you were Monty Williams, Troy Weaver walked in to the Detroit Free Press, said Omari Sankofa the second. Who do you think we should start on opening night? Who would Omari Sankofa roll out there? It would be the same lineup, okay. except I would swap Boyan for Asar. Okay. And I think that cramps your spacing even more if Ivy Cade and, and Stewart aren't knocking it down. But I think one off confidence that those three guys will be at least league average shooters. And then two, it's just prioritizing the future a bit more than the present where you could just bring Boyan in, you know, like six, seven minutes into the game as a super sub instead of SAR. But it allows you to set a defensive tone, allows you to set a rebounding tone, uh, you know, get up and down the floor. And obviously just get a SAR the reps he needs to develop and you probably still need to prioritize the future this season to an extent, you know, given that Boyan is partially guaranteed for $2 million next summer. So for me personally, I would do that. You know, maybe two weeks in, you're like, this isn't working. We don't have enough shooting. And then you have to bring in bogey or, or somebody else just to space the floor out. But I think I would I think I would give that a shot and feel pretty good about it. I love it, man. I, I'm actually going to go a little different. So we're going to 
differ just a little bit here. And that's a lineup we were going to talk about later in the episode because we were going to talk about the young guys putting them all together. So we'll save it just a little bit. I love it. So I'm actually going to go with one that I've tweeted about. I know my man Wes has tweeted about this, seen other people. I would go Kate IVSR, but I would actually go Boyan at the four and Duran at the five. Now there's a, a few different things here. I think Boyan helps with the floor spacing. I think Asar, and I know people, we got some pushback on this, but I think you throw a star to the Wolves a little bit and see what he can do as a defender, even as a rookie. Even if it's not great, his offensive load isn't going to be so much that he can't expend a ton of energy on the defensive end. So I'm okay throwing him and thrusting him into that role. And I think ultimately Stu as much as I like Stu, is the perfect third big. And so I think he really fits into that role nicely. And we talked a little bit about before we started recording that, you know, maybe that means Wiseman and Bagley don't have huge roles, but Stu can be the four off the bench or the five off the bench. So that's where I would go is I would go Cade, Ivy, Asar, Boyan, and Durant. And I actually like that lineup uh, just to say because we talked about a star playing the four, and if he can play the four, we talked about his wingspan athleticism. Uh, he, I think, he brings some some skill set there. Then that lineup does work. Um, you know, I think I have Stewart probably starting in a lot of my lineups, but I, you know, if you use him as a big, I think that's completely okay. Uh, we've seen what he can do in that role. And of course, I give you spacing in the starting five as well. So I could get behind that. I could. All right. So another question. Curious if you see any potential defensive stoppers, situational lineups. We're getting to that too, guys. I promise we have all of these on. Wes has you guys taken care of. I promise we're going to get to as many as we can. So before we look at our 10-man rotations, Omari, I want to ask these questions. What they definitely could, but shouldn't do with the starting lineup. So what is out there that you could see potentially on the table that they could do, but you would say, man, I would stay away from doing that. Was there anything that popped out to you right away with that question? So one thing they could do, like let's say you go into the season and you decide we want Ivy just like in an attacking role. We're going to take away ball handling responsibilities. We just want him to, uh, you know, just just limit his decision tree. He's either attacking or he's shooting. Um if you go that route, then you could insert Monte Morris into the starting lineup, and then you just have Cade, Ivy, and then maybe you go Bogey and Duran, or you go Bogey and Stewart, or whoever um, in that front court. But just adding some of that veteran ball handling in the starting five could have some logic to it if you're just not quite confident that just being as young as you are with with Cade and, and Ivy, it'll get the job done. But with that. You know, again, it just goes back to what I said earlier, where you probably want to be a little bit more youth forward this season. Uh, you know which guys are probably going to be on this team three, four years from now. So I wouldn't do that personally, but if it is just a question of having adequate ball handling in the starting five, you could do that. That's interesting. So I kind of went with, I have two, but one of them was anything without Jaden Ivey in the starting lineup. Because I feel like we've seen some people say, hey, put Jaden Ivey in the second unit and just let him cook. But I kind of like what you said there. You don't want to come. Well, I think you want to take Jaden Ivey off the ball as much as what we saw last year. You don't want to completely take him off the ball and give him no ball handling duties at all. So I'm glad you said that one. The one I said, the other one I had was anything with two true bigs. And if you want to say Isaiah Stewart's a true big, that's fine. You and I both agree that Isaiah Stewart is at least working towards being a four. So I'm not including Stu in this, but this goes to the comment 
earlier in the episode from YouTube user. I don't want to see Wiseman and Duran. I don't want to see Bagley and Duran in the starting lineup. And I'll even talk about where I don't necessarily want to see those guys in the second unit either. But I, I think, I think I'm believing more in the Pistons how much they value Wiseman and want to give him chance than maybe other people are. So I think there's a real chance of that. Maybe I'm overvaluing what they think about Wiseman and how much they believe in him. And I want to emphasize how much the organization believes in him because I'm not the highest guy on James Wiseman. But I think that's something they could potentially do. And I 100% think they should stay away from it. That's going to be one of the, the big question marks, I think, going into the season is how many minutes can they allocate for James Wiseman? Given that if you have three bigs in a rotation, including Isaiah Stewart, then that might cut into minutes for Isaiah Livers or Sarah Thompson or somebody else. And it's just not a perfect fit unless Wiseman could give you a little bit of shooting and, of course, makes a leap on defense as well. So throughout training camp, I'm just curious to see if you can you know, do enough to earn those opportunities early on and uh, just exactly how Monty approaches that as far as giving him opportunities versus you know, still wanting to maximize lineups and, and, and spacing out there. So, Amara, you thought the Pistons will start Cade, Ivy, Boyan, Stu, and Duran. We both agreed. We had the exact same one. Who do you think then rounds out the second unit if that is the starting lineup? So who are the Pistons and Monty Williams going to play in the second unit if we have a Cade, Ivy, Boyan, Stu, Duran starting lineup? Pretty straightforward for me. And then it would just be Monte Morris, Alec Burks, Asar Thompson, Isaiah Livers, and then James Wiseman, you know, I do think, you know, again, as, as you mentioned, uh, if you're going 10 deep, you probably do at least try to find minutes for James Wiseman. If it's not working, maybe a month and a half in, maybe at that point, if Joe Harris is shooting the bar really well, uh, you give him a go, or Marcus Sass or, or Killian are playing really well, you can give them a go. So you still have some versatility in that, but I do have Wiseman as that third big in that lineup with Livers filling in a power forward. Uh, we're in the same boat there. YouTube user says, I really like the idea of Saar being featured in the second unit. He's going to be buried in the starting lineup. That's fair, but not a whole lot of offensive usage. I don't know that he needs a whole lot of offensive usage in his rookie season, but I understand that. I think with that second unit, what I like about that for a Saar, Omari, is... Morris and Burks are good guards, but they're also floor spacers. So you could put the ball in the SARS hands just a little bit and let him cook in that second unit and let him grow some of that stuff along a couple of veterans. Hopefully Isaiah Livers spaces the floor. Like you said, if somebody's not spacing the floor, you could put Joe Harris in there. And I want to emphasize, I would put Marvin Bagley III as the backup five man. I think the Detroit Pistons are going to put James Wiseman as the backup five man. That's just what I believe. We'll see if I'm right or wrong on that. Let's quickly do what you would do. So, Amari, your starting lineup was Cade, Ivy, Asar, Stu, and Duran. I assume you're just flip-flopping Boyan and uh, Asar in that situation then. So what I'm actually doing is I am swapping Wiseman for Joe Harris. Okay. And that pushes Asar maybe to playing a little bit more for along with livers, but just to maximize spacing, I think if you have 48 minutes of Stewart and Duran at the five, like you're probably fine. I mean, you're definitely fine, actually. It's not even a probably there. Like, you know what those guys can do and you know that they can both play. But Duran's still some learning curve, but he's obviously going to play. So a lot of that just comes out of how much Joe Harris has just got his form back from last season. He still thought, shot the three extremely well, but he just slipped in other areas of his game. So if he can get really close to what he was before that injury, then 
I think you have to play him. It's just tough for me to see how a guy who can shoot the ball at that level doesn't get off the bench. My 10 man would be Cade, Ivy, Asar, Boyan, and Duran. And then I would bring off the bench Morris, Burks, Livers, Stu, Marvin Bagley the third. I like that. I think that's a really good lineup for Livers. And honestly, Isaiah Stewart as well. That obviously leaves out Killian Hayes, Sasser, Joe Harris, and Wiseman. Let's continue to move forward because we got a lot of good stuff. What do you think the closing lineup for the Pistons will be, Omari. I, I actually, you can do what the Pistons would do and what you would do. Mine is actually the same. And it's all depending on matchups and some of that stuff. But kind of where do you see the closing lineup going? Just kind of in a general, in a vacuum type situation. So it's tough because I think there's like six, seven players who uh, could make really strong cases for themselves. So I'm not really glued to this five-man lineup. But uh, what the Pistons will do, I had Mate, Ivy, K, Bogey, and Stewart, you know, just to give you some that's exactly, right, the, too, exactly huh? the yeah. same. Because you know, because you need some some veteran leadership out there, and I think rebounding wise, you could probably survive if it's, if it's late in the game and you're nursing the lead. Uh, but with that, what I would do, I would swap Monte for Alec Burks. Just you know, because I don't know if you need three ball handlers, so you have Cade, Ivy, and then you just get a, a third shooter out there. But again, you can make an argument for either of those guys and be completely fine. So I'm not really glued to either lineup. I just think the basis of it is pretty similar both ways. And I just want everybody to know, we purposely created separate documents from the initial outline that Wes made so we couldn't see each other's lineup. So obviously, Omari and I agree a lot on the podcast. And so it's not super surprising that we have some of the same lines. I had the same thing. I definitely said, you know, you substitute Duran for Stu, depending on who the other team is and what exactly the situation is. We'll talk a little bit more specific situations, you know, late in game down or up or whatever kind of depends on those type of things and how the flow has gone but yeah I think I could really see and and maybe this was a Dwayne Casey thing but I could see them saying hey let's get Monty Morris out there another ball handler but also a guy that can space the floor and I'm also curious just with Jalen Duran if you could put him in those closing lineups and some of that's matchup dependent right I mean if you have you know Joel Embiid out there you know maybe you want Duran and Stewart to have a little bit of extra muscle um, so a lot of that's matchup dependent. Uh, I think just Stewart, like what he gives you, like he's a natural fit for the five in any closing lineup. But you can make an argument for Darren and I lined up absolutely. You can make an argument for Asar if he's still bringing it defensively and rebounding wise, and you're just trying to you know keep a, a solid pace. So there's really seven eight guys you can go with, and I don't think you can really go wrong. The only constants I have in all of those lineups are Cade, Ivy, and Boyan. So mix and match whoever else you want from there. Let's talk about just some general ideas, Omari. So we're not doing actual lineups. We're just saying things we feel like we know about the possible lineups. These are things we feel like we know are going to happen. I'll just start. I think we know that Cade, Ivy, and Duran are going to start. I think those three will be three of the five starters. What do you feel like you know about the potential lineups? Cade and Ivy, I think are certainly locks. Uh, Duran, I think, is close. Like, unless he just has, like, a disastrous training camp and, you know, defensively, he's just not quite there. I do think he'll be at the five. And I do feel pretty good about Isaiah Stewart being the starting four. Okay. with the extension and all the work he's put into his three ball and just defensively, you know, I don't know if you can leave him on the bench to start the game given that he is currently your best rim protector. So I would say those four I feel pretty good about. And then it's just a question of if Boyan or Asar gets that last spot. But I feel pretty good about those four guys right now. That could change in a couple of weeks after we get a few days in the camp. But right now, I feel pretty good about those four. So another thing I said, I think we know that Stewart is going to play minutes at the four, but we don't know, and we talked a little bit this about the before the recording, how many minutes 
Stewart will get to play at the five. Mm-hmm. So that's something I'm really interested to watch. This is something Wes has brought up to me a lot. And I think I lean towards him. I think Wes said he would like to see 60-40 at the four and the five. I, I'm kind of with him there. I think that's where I'd like to be. But with all these fives, I don't know that that's where it is going to be. So I know we're going to see Isaiah Stewart at the four, but I don't know if we're going to see him as much at the five as what I would like. Yeah, and that's another big question mark for me going into the season is can you rely on Stewart and Duran for those 48 minutes? Um, you know, Duran gets in the foul trouble. Obviously, that opens up time for Bagley or Wiseman at that point. But they could go with two bigs and I think be okay on many nights. You know, I don't know how many two big lineups they're going to face. Uh, you know, I, I guess Boston, if you have Porzingis and Robert Williams out there, then you probably want two bigs. So it'll be very matchup dependent, but I, I, I think that's where I'm at right now. There's still a lot of mixing and matching you could do within that. I said this, I think we know there are plans for Monte Morris. You traded assets for him. They weren't huge assets, but you traded assets for him. And probably Alec Burks, because you didn't trade him, at least yet. And obviously Boyan, or I think they would have moved those guys. So I think there are plans for those guys to play minutes. And I think it's represented in our lineups thus far in the episode. Do you agree with that, that we know there are, I think those three at least, Morris, Burks, and Boyan, there are plans for those guys to definitely be in the rotation. I didn't include Joe Harris on purpose because I don't think it's a nightly thing with Joe Harris. It may be every fifth game or a three-game stretch, something like that. Yeah, I think those three guys, like you need veteran leadership and all those guys could shoot. It's just hard for me to see how they, they don't play. And it would have to be a situation where either Killian or, or Sasser or even both just coming to camp on fire. You know, like I could see Sasser, you know, just being a 23-year-old rookie, being ahead of the curve. And if he's really defending really well and he's your best perimeter defender, then, you know, maybe he makes an argument there. But just veteran-wise, absolutely Burks, Mate, Boyan, those those guys are going to be in the mix. Okay, last one before the break. I don't know where minutes come for Marcus Sasser or Killian Hayes consistently. I just, I can't find it for either one of them. And I'll say this. I was a huge Marcus Sasser fan before the Pistons drafted him. We obviously had him on the pod. If you haven't listened to it, go listen to it. It was a great interview, great young man. I want to see him play. I even have said, Wes can vouch for me. I've sent Wes a ton of texts saying, I want to see Killian Hayes for 50 games this year and see what he can do. So I'm I'm not a Killian Hayes hater, but I just don't see where those guys get minutes unless there's an injury, foul trouble, rest, or an eventual trade. Yeah, I mean, it's tough. I mean, I've been in the exact same boat pretty much since they drafted Sasser and then went and got Monte Morris. It's just from a ball handling standpoint, Cade, Ivy, and Monte Morris, you're pretty much set. You know, Burks gives you the shooting. And Asar, I think, gives you a lot of what you could get from Killian and Sasser just being a really good defensive wing who can also move the ball. Uh, questionable shooter at this point. Uh, you know, with Sasser can shoot, maybe that helps him. But yeah, Killian and Sasser are going to have to have really strong camps to make a case for themselves this season. We got to go to a short break. This is a lot of fun. This is going, we knew this was going to be fun. It was way more fun this year than last year just because of the versatility of the lineups and the talent, quite honestly, within the lineups. We're going to go a short break. When we come back, we're going to go to the all floor spacing lineup. And man, I don't know about you, Amari, but we do got some floor spacers on this team this year. So that'll be fun to start off with right after this short break. All right, we are back with segment two, and we're going to lead off with 
situational lineups. So just any scenario you can think of, any scenario you're likely to encounter in the game, which best five would you put out there? Floor spacing-wise, I think there are probably two or three guys we're both going to have in this lineup by default, and then two spots where it's just like you could probably plug a few guys in there and be okay. Bryce, I'll let you lead off, and then I'll, I'll follow up with mine. So the caveat that Wes put in here is it can't be all guards. So it has to be you know some resemblance of a real lineup. So I went Monte Morris, and I'm going to rattle off some stats. We don't rattle off a lot of stats on the podcast, but I wanted to put these off. So it's career 39%. Last season, 38%. His best season, he was 41%. I got Alec Burks. Career was 38%. Last season, 41 His best season, he was 42 Joe Harris at the three. Career, 44%. Last season, Omari, Joe Harris was still 43% on four and a half attempts. And his best season, he was 48% on six and a half attempts a game. I got Boyan at the four. Career, 39%. Last season, 41%. His best season was 43%. And then I got Stu at the five. I know some people are going to throw Marvin Bagley at me, but here are the numbers. Stu is a career 33% three-point shooter on 1.7 attempts. Last season, he was 33% on 4.1. He's a career 72% free throw shooter. Marvin Bagley, 29% on 1.93s for his career. Last season, he was 29% on 1.6. And his best season, he was 34% on 2.5 attempts. Career 68% career free throw shooter. So I'm going to go with Stu. If somebody wanted to go with Bagley, that's fine. I won't overly debate that. But my lineup is Morris, Burks, Harris, Boyan, Stu. I know that was a lot of data, but I kind of went crazy with the three-point shooting. I kind of enjoy that. So Monte Burke, uh, I'm sorry, Monte Morris, Alec Burks, Boyan Bogdanovic, Isaiah Stewart. Those were the the four I figured we would both have. Uh, I wasn't actually positive on Bogey because you could make an argument for a few other guys, but I knew Monte Burks and Stewart at the very least because there's just really no competition for Isaiah at the five, obviously. Actually, instead of Joe Harris, I had Cade just because I still think you might need a second bar sure, handler sure, in there. Sure, sure. And I do think that Cade is really going to shoot it next season. But if you swap K with Harris or even Livers, I think you're completely fine if you just trust Monte and Burks can handle all your buying responsibilities, which they probably can. So still some flexibility in that, which they didn't really have last season, right? Like we're looking at this, like there's like eight guys that can plug into like an all-shooting lineup, which is which gives you a lot of versatility. So they could be a really improved team on that end of the floor, especially if Kate and Ivy uh, make the improvements they've been trying to make this offseason. So that's really the only change I had, which is Kate and for Harris, given that you probably need two lead bodybuilders out there. Matthew Harrison said he's going to fudge it and play livers at the five. I mean, sure, if, you, if you want to try yeah. to live with that, I mean, we've seen some smaller dudes playing at the five for the Pistons over the last couple of years. And so um, I'll, I'll give it to you, man. That's, that's getting a little bit creative, but I'll give it to you. I'll say this, Amario, and I've said it before. A couple of years ago, myself included, probably even you, you wrote it somewhere, said it. The fan base as a whole was saying, this team needs to be more athletic and this team needs more three-point shooting. Since then, Troy Weaver has added Jay Nivey, Asar Thompson. Asar Thompson is legit top five percentile athlete, maybe even higher. I may be sh- shortchanging him. And Jalen Dern. And then he's added Monty Morris, Alec Burks, Boyan Bogdanovich, and Joe Harris. So he's tried. I'm not saying it's all been perfect. It's obviously not a perfect roster because I think we both agree they're around 30 wins this season. 
I'm just saying there was two major flaws in the roster, and I feel like he has attacked them at least in some way. Like, he really has tackled those, and the only real hole they have on the roster is just at that four position, which even then they have multiple guys who could fill in there. So, death-wise, I mean, I remember when they traded for Marvin Bagley, and, uh, you know, Troy said, we didn't get Cade a lob threat, you know, and, and that's on, on me. We didn't have all the tools we needed in the, the toolbox, and he went and did that. So, uh, Kane coming into this season, just having spacing, the lob threats, everything else. I'm just curious to see, not to get too off topic, but I'm just curious to see how much he's able to tap into all those things as he tries to make a leap at the stardom as well. YouTube user asked, are you doing an all-transition lineup? Yes, it's a it's a little bit different of a caveat, but yes, essentially we're doing how fast can you play when you need to score a bunch of points. But the next one, we're looking on the defensive side of the ball, Omari. This one is with a lot of fun as well. I think there's a few different ways you could go. This is the super switch lineup. So the lineup with the most switchable defenders on the team with these two caveats. You still have to have a primary guard, a handler, and you have to have at least one quote-unquote big. So you go ahead and lead us off here. We'll see how close we are with this all-switchable lineup. Yeah, so my front court, I went uh, Stewart and Livers. Yep. I think that just gives you the most maneuverability. Uh, Asar at the three. Yep. Those are the three I figured we would both have. 100%. And it's just the guards, right? So at that point, I think it's a question of you still want to go defense first, but how much ball handling, passing, like how much can you survive maybe without those things? So I still have Cade in that lineup. Like I think, you know, just six six long wingspan. I think just his IQ on defense is there. It's pretty strong. And then that fifth spot, I would go with I would go with Killian over Jaden just because Killian's shown it. But if Jaden same. It's the exact same five. Okay. <laughs> you know, but that's the thing. If Jaden could come in and really, uh, you know, prove himself on on defense, and by the pot, by the time this pot comes out, I actually have a, a story uh, where I talked to Jaden a couple of days ago, and he said he wanted to use his God-given gifts and not end up the floor. So that'll be out. Actually, we might have posted today. Actually, if they post it on Saturday, I haven't checked yet. But you could go Jaden there if he really shows it. But I think Killian's already showed it, so you just go with him. Yeah, I, I legit Killian, Cade, Asar, Liver, Stu. I, I think there's some arguments depending on how much offense you want to keep on the floor for Burks or Boyan even, just because those guys have enough size. Alec Burks is 6'6", 214, according to Real GM. So that's where I go for a lot of my stuff. So anybody's like, no, he, he's not that big. I've seen him in, I feel like he's good size, Amari. Alec Burks is a well-built guy. Boyan is big. But, you know, Killian is 6'5", 195, again, according to Real GM. So I just think 6'5", Cade 6'6", Asar, Livers, like those guys are all 6'5 to 6'8, good wingspans, some pretty good athleticism in there. Offensively, you have your primary, you have plenty of, you know, creation and passing and ball movement. If Stu is a real floor spacer, maybe you have just enough floor spacing to make that work offensively. Obviously, there's no true lob threat, but I was kind of like you. You said it when you were giving your lineup. If you're really doing this and just considering defense, then I think this is the one that makes the most sense to me. So I, I think Killian is a good defender and I think he can be switchable because he is strong. And on that end of the floor, as much as he kind of shies away from physicality when he drives to the rim offensively, I don't think he shies away from contact defensively. So uh, I'm not surprised we have the same lineup, I guess, because I think a lot of those guys make a lot of sense. And we're going to talk about Jaden Ivey a little bit later whenever we do some more defense stuff. And I'm going to talk about his point of attack defense versus off the ball defense. The next one is fun also, and it's the beat you up. 
lineup, Omari. So just how physical of a squad can we put out on the floor? I changed this one around a little bit, but I kind of like with the five that I came up with. So where, where are you at on this one? Yeah, so this one, again, kind of has some maneuverability, and it's just another question of how much ball handling and defense could you potentially leave on the floor. Uh, Duran Stewart, front court, yep. I figure we both have. Yep. Asar at the three. Yep. Both have. Kate at the one okay. slash two. Okay, so I, that might be a little different. We're going to be different here. I like it. Okay. And honestly, like, I just I just went Ivy, uh, you know, just with his athleticism. Like, I thought he did show some physicality last season. So I went with those five, but... I think physicality-wise, like I'm not sure who else I would go with in that lineup. Maybe you could get Livers in there somehow, but those are those are my five. So I'm curious to see who you have that's different. Yeah. So and this also has to have at least one lead guard. So Ivy's going to be the lead guard for me. I had a Sar, Stu, and Duran. I think Stu and Duran front court. And this is let's go ahead and talk about it right here. We talked about this before the recording, Omari. We didn't get Bagley and Wiseman in very many of these lineups after the very beginning. It, it just, it was very telling to me, Omari, that I got to the end of going through this outline and I looked back and I'm like, I haven't typed Wiseman or Bagley's name since the very start. None of this other stuff were they involved. I think it speaks to the versatility of some of the other guys, but maybe also kind of where I land with those guys. You know who I put there? I put Marcus Sasser. And I know okay. he's not like the most physically imposing guy necessarily, but that kid is a dog. And But you don't play at Houston for four years in that program and not get after it. So I understand there's an argument for Cade and his new you know, upper body strength and even Burks and Hayes and all that. Part of this is I kind of wanted to throw Sasser a bone here and try to get as many guys' names in involved as I could. But part of me truly believes it. And we have this from Matthew Harrison. Would you like to see Sasser killing Nassar out there picking up guys defensively full court like Mike James and Lindsey Hunter used to do? So maybe that's something you could do, like Sasser on the ball, Ivy on the ball, Asar on the ball. I think just the physically imposing, yeah, QT says it, Sasser's a pit bull. And so I, I, I kind of liked it. Jaden's going to have to take the primary creation responsibilities. Asar can help a little bit. Sasser can space the floor. So that's where I went. Yeah, the four-court question is interesting because I don't know if you can do that in the regular season uh, too much just because of how up-tempo the NBA is now compared to the Lindsey Hunter, Mike James days. But in the playoffs, when things slow down, you, you, pro- you probably could. So I think a Sasser-Hayes backcourt could work. Uh, you know, especially since those guys would be improving situations where, you know, you have some guys in front of you. So you're going to come in, you're not going to bring that energy on defense once you do get that opportunity. So Sasser is a fun pick there. I think I went K just because he's 6'6", a little bit bigger. We saw him post up in college a bit. I have no clue what Magic's going to have him post up next season. They probably don't need to necessarily, but uh, he's, his game is more for like finesse and power as a guard than it is just kind of floating by guys like Ivy. So I went with K. I like Sasser there as well, just because he does bring some of that uh, just fire you want to see from the backcourt in such a lineup. So I like that. I like that. That was a little bit of di- different from how I would have went, but it does make sense, I think, after you explain it. Yeah, it took me a little while to get to that. I definitely had something different. And they're like, you know what? I'm just going to put Sasser in here. We're going to have some fun with it. So now we're getting to very specific situations. I really love Wes coming up with these. So this first one is 10 seconds left in the game, Amari, and you need to stop. This is truly the all-defense lineup. You don't have to worry about offense. If you get a defensive rebound or steal or they score or whatever, the game's over, or you call a timeout and you're subbing offense on. I have a bunch of like extra notes along with the five that I put out there, but where did you go? Who are the five defenders you put on the floor in a situation like this? So this one was actually kind of tough. Yeah. I think it's another one that kind of goes toward 
just matchups, right? Uh, you know, especially I think in that front court. I would go Hayes or Sasser at the one. Yep. I would go Kate at the two, yep. Asar at the three. Yep. I would go Livers at the four. Okay. And then Stewart or Duran at the five. It just depends on who the opposing center is. So that's kind of cheating a little bit, but it was tough for me to answer it without, I guess, just knowing who the other five are. If it's just in like a vacuum, I would probably go Stewart over Duran just because he's more of a proven commodity at this point, and I trust him switching a little bit more. But again, I think a lot of that's just going to be matchup dependent. But K, Asar, Livers are the three guys I feel pretty good about, uh, you know, regardless of who's at the one or at the five. Okay, so very similar. I had Killian Hayes at the one as well. I do. I mean, I think that speaks to how we believe in him defensively. Then I had Cade. I don't know that Cade has proven it as much defensively as maybe what we're giving him credit for right now. I think it probably speaks to our belief in him and who he is as a defender. And he also had clutch plays on defense when he was a rookie. So maybe not great defensively for the entire time he's out there. But in the final five minutes, we saw him come up with a lot of clutch plays. So I kind of just gave him the benefit of the doubt as far as that. Well, and I think in this situation too, you got to rely on someone who's not going to make a mistake on a switch or not know the game plan. And I think we both believe in Cade's basketball feel and awareness and all of those things. And so I kind of trust that. I put a star in there as a, as well. I mean, I know he's a rookie. I just talked about potentially making mistakes, missing a switch, not knowing... But I'm just... I'm throwing the full load on Asar defensively this season if I'm Monty Williams and the Pistons coaching staff. Because again, I don't think you need to throw a huge load on him offensively. Go be an offensive rebounder. Get out in transition. Cut and catch a couple lobs. If you get to handle the ball a little bit in the second unit every once in a while, great. I don't even really care about his three-point shot this year. All of that work should be done behind the scenes. He may regress as a shooter, Amari. If they have to tweak some of his shooting mechanics, he may get worse for 12 months before he gets better. So all of that stuff I don't care about. Can he be that point of attack all around defender? Can he protect the rim a little bit with his athleticism? Can he rebound? Like that's one thing I think he really showed out in summer league. So I'm going to put a SAR in these situations. And then I have Stu and Duran, but I did have the caveat that maybe you go smaller if they need a three. I also wanted to say, and this is where we can have the Jaden Ivey conversation. If you feel like it's an ISO heavy team, Amari, not a team that's going to run some really nice actions, but you know, somebody's going to isolate. I think there's an argument for Jay Nivey because I do think Jay Nivey takes his on ball isolation defense very serious. And I think that's where he's best at defensively right now. If it's going to be a ball screen, maybe not so much, but if it's just going to be straight isolation, there's an argument to have Ivy on the floor. I agree with that. And it's funny when, I, when we talked to Ivy uh, at the, at the park the other day, he actually specifically mentioned ball screens as an area he did to improve in, uh, which I mean, if you watched him last season, I think that's pretty clear that he would frequently get lost or just not position himself well, but I so heavy, like I do agree with that. I think just his quickness, his length, uh, we even saw him with like some, he got beat, was was still able to recover and block the shot a few times last season. So that does give you some flexibility if he can really lock in in that way. Our guy, RB Nesbitt, huge supporter, always interacting on Twitter, always listening to pod. So we appreciate you. Give you a shot. He said, you're sleeping on Cade's defense rest. Maybe, maybe I am. I know I'm a little more critical. I've had other people tell me like, hey, you're expecting too much. You know, a lot of it was from his rookie year. I will say this. I don't think he is a bad def- I thought Jaden Ivey was bad defensively, if we're being quite honestly. I-, I don't think Cade was bad, 
But I think a lot of people said, oh, he's a really good defender. I would call Cade a net neutral defender right now. And that might be okay with what he does offensively. It probably is okay with what he does offensively and everything else. But I think calling him a good defender, at least based off what we've actually seen, is a little much. But I do have high expectations that he's going to continue to get better because that's just how much I believe in Cade Cunningham. Before we go to break, let's get this in. Brian Roy, Brian Early in Vancouver. Thanks for the awesome podcast. I've been tuning in since the first one. Appreciate you, Brian, um, there from Canada. So again, getting listeners from all over the world. We really appreciate it. Amari, let's go to a short break. We got a few more of these. We have some questions that we'll get to if we have a chance. When we come back, we are going to get into that up pace transition lineup that we got asked about earlier. So after this, we'll dive into that. All right, back with segment three. And we're going to dive right in just because I know we have a couple of questions. We need to cover a little time to get to if we can. Three minutes left, down 10. Who are you going with, Bryce? Yeah, so this is essentially the up pace lineup that can score. Mm-hmm. Wes says there has to be some defense out there, but we're, we're trying to get some buckets. So I actually went with a Cade, Ivy, a Sar, and then I said Joe Harris or Boyan along with Durin. So you can get up and down the floor with Ivy, Asar, Durin. Obviously, you want the ball in Cade's hands. And then I was like, you know what? Let's put out the guy who almost shot 50% from three for a whole season and let him space the floor and see if he can get hot. So that's what I put out there. I think there's also an argument. You go like Monty Morris with Ivy, Cade, Asar at the four which is something I think we could see in a situation like this. And then Duran at the five, because I still think you want that rim runner, lob threat, offensive rebounder. So this is one I struggled with as well. And there's like, like I'm looking at my notes on my phone and I'm just like, <laughs> like, I, I feel like I didn't really commit to one direction personally. <laughs> but really, I think it's it's Cade, Ivy, Asar. Um, I think you need those three out there if you're down 10 with three minutes left. I put livers in there. Just, you know, I think... Just his two-way ability, you know, floor spacing, I think that would lend itself really well to that. But we also saw Alec Burks heat up many times last season and really knock down a lot of those late shots. So now I actually want to swap livers for Burks. So you're going Cade, Ivy, Burks, which is a small lineup. But again, you're down 10, you just need buckets, right? Asar at the four, and then Duran at the five. So that might have been the lineup you had, actually. Yeah, it was close. Yeah, but just, you know, I think that gives you the right mix of athleticism, defense, and you're also putting like your fastest athletes out there. So that checks the most boxes. But for me, I'm just looking at it and it's still tough for me to not put like a bogey in there. Like you put bogey in over a star just because we've seen bogey heat up. Like you have six, seven, eight guys who all make sense in that lineup. So it's just pretty matchup dependent. I think it kind of depends on how you feel about trying to get buckets quickly. Is it truly get out and run and transition? Because then you want a star and Ivy. Or is your thought, let's hit as many threes as we can. So let's just put shooters around Cade and Duran rim running or running pick and roll together. So there, I think there's two different schools of thought that you could go with there. I also want to say, before I forget, Isaiah Livers is a guy who I said a few podcasts ago, I thought was going to be out of the rotation. And I think I'm wrong, Omari. As I went through this, this was another one of my takeaways. You know, one was, dang, I never put Wiseman or Bagley again in a lineup. I also found myself talking about and thinking through Isaiah Livers a lot more than what I thought I was going to, including in the 10-man rotation. So I think I was wrong a couple of weeks ago when I said I thought he'd be an odd man out. I actually think he has a place in the 10-man and even in some of these other more specific lineups we've discussed as well. I think what he has going for him is 
especially if he continues to knock down shots, which I don't see why he wouldn't. It's just tough to leave him on the bench. I mean, he could play the three. He'll play the four. four. He just checks a lot of boxes for this team, and he fits a lot of lineups. You could put him in almost any lineup and feel pretty good about it, either at the three or the four, or even somebody floated putting him in at the five, I guess, if maybe somebody's hurt or guys are in foul trouble, which I probably wouldn't do that, but you could probably get away with it for you know, a handful of possessions. So I like I do think this could be a year where Livers really carves out a role as like one of those key bench guys. It's just staying healthy mostly for him, but it's tough for me to see him being on the bench for long stretches, just given how malleable he is and what he gives you on the defensive end. So Mr. Jones goes K to Sar, Joe Harris, Boyan, and Stu. Five out lineup designed specifically for K to flourish. I like it. I mean, this shows the versatility of Asar, right? You know, we have Asar playing the four in this lineup. Mr. Jones here has Asar playing the quote unquote two in this lineup, but you put two big time shooters around him. And if Stu can space the floor as well, now you have three shooters that are, are really spacing it. Let's go to the let's see what we have. Essentially, the all young guys lineup. And you alluded to this earlier, Amari. And I just want to put, I think it's kind of funny. Wes put in there, is this just Cade, Ivy, Asar, Stu, and Duran? I put yes, all uppercase with exclamation points. And then he said, someone give an argument for livers here. And I put no, all uppercase with four or five exclamation points. So um, I, I think it is that lineup. And this is the lineup you said you would start. The, the all young guys, these draft picks over the last three years. I would lean that uh, for the starting lineup. Uh, but for this one, actually, actually went a different direction okay. from both both of those just for a let's see what we have i went i went sasser at the one ivy at the two kate at the three asar at the four and then Duran at the five Love so it. Nice. it out entirely because i think we can finally graduate isaiah stewart from young guy to veteran he's going into year four he got the extension uh he stepped into more of a leadership role and we know what he is at this point right like he said he's improved the shooting but i think he's proven himself a lot more than other guys on the team especially on defense so i would not include him in the Let's see what we have for young guys lined up. I don't, like, I think at this point, he's shown who he is. And I would give Duran a nod, the start a nod. And I would put Sasser in there. Love it. it. It's funny. Some of these questions, and we're getting ready to do a vet one in just a second. Some of them ask for like the calm it down. We're not going to get to that one. But just kind of the the more veteran. I find myself considering Stu a vet as well, is what I'm getting to. I just That's the way my mind works. He just seems so mature. Okay, so... Wes says, surprise, Monty wants to win this game bad and go all vet lineup, but you cannot include Cade Cunningham, who is the all vet lineup for the Detroit Pistons. I put Monte Morris, Alec Burks, Joe Harris, Boyan Bogdanovich, all guys on expiring contracts, essentially, but all guys who can space the floor. And then I didn't have an answer at the five, which, which plays into... The question we got a couple of weeks ago that said, hey, if Wiseman and Bagley, I think it just said Wiseman, but if they're not it, are they better off bringing in a veteran true five man to you know eat up some minutes? And I kind of pushed that question off the side. I didn't really see it. But I, again, this is why this activity was a lot of fun is like, yeah, there's not a vet big on the lineup if you're not counting Stu. Yeah, there's not. And I think that's an interesting thought experiment going into the season you know, as far as is that a need? when this roster basically already has four centers, right? Yep. So I think that's more so Monty saying, hey, I need a, another older guy out there who I can just rely on and, you know, trust to not foul or make any mistakes. Uh, my all-veteran lineup was actually really similar to yours. Monte at the one, Burks at the two, Bogey at the three, Harris at the four, or I guess Harris at the three, Whichever. Bogey at the four. Yeah. It, it, yeah. Does, does, yeah, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. And then I 
I, um, in my notes, I put Bagley at the five, just because okay. I guess he's more of a quote-unquote vet. But again, I would still go Stewart just because I'm personally graduating him from young guy to young veteran. I don't know everybody else feels, but I think he can qualify as a vet now Not that he got that first big contract and he's a year four. The most creative. This question was really fun, and I struggled for a little bit, but I kind of like what I came up with. What is the most creative lineup combination you think of that might actually work all in uppercase from West. So I, I just want to caveat, I don't know that mine would work. But what I did is I put a SAR at the one, Sasser at the two, Joe Harris and Boyan, and then I put James Wiseman at the five. So here's a Wiseman lineup that I finally put on the floor. And I just, hey, let's put the ball in the SAR's hands. Sasser, Harris, Boyan are going to stretch the floor. Wiseman can do some of his ISO stuff and just get buckets because, you know, he's the only guy in there. Maybe he can some run some pick and roll with the SAR. Defensively, we're probably in a lot of trouble, but he told me to get creative, so I thought that was a little bit creative. So you want to start at the one. I want to start at the five. Uh, yes! This is the best Asar Thompson promotional podcast ever without the intention of it being that because we just put Asar Thompson from everywhere from the one to the five during this episode. Yeah, he's like Inspector Gadget. Just whatever you need, he's got it, right? So I got Asar at the five, Sasser at the one, and then in between, I went Cade, I went Livers, and then I went bogey, which I don't know if that's as creative, but it just it's a really small lineup. I think it gives you some up-tempo. I think it gives you some shooting. I think it gives you various ways to attack the opposing defense. I have no idea if a start to five would work. Like, I probably wouldn't advocate for that in, like, an actual game, but why not? Might as well give it a shot. Uh, maybe he can. Maybe they're going small, too, so he can get away with it. He's not defending centers. I'm not trusting him to, to defend, like, the talented centers in the league, like Jonas Valanciunas. But depending on the opposing lineup, I think you could get away with it for stretches. I mean, Matthew Harrison, every year with Troy, the narrative, so many centers, quote-unquote. Then there are long stretchers with Trey Lyles, starting center, and Hamadou Diallo, small ball five. I mean, Trey Lyles was pretty decent. But no, point taken. I mean, that's that's true. Wes says, Asar equals super homie. Bryce said this, not me. Yeah, whenever Wes was, I think we were texting one day and he was asking me about the Thompson twins. I was like, okay, take homie, make him more athletic, make him longer, make him a better decision maker, make him better defensively, struggles with shooting. And so, you know, there we are. But yeah, a, a, a great promotional podcast for Asar Thompson during here with without the intention of it being so. Uh, before we get to the questions and then one final one from Wes from the outline as well. Most fun to watch lineup. I just said the young guys. So some of those lineups we've talked about, I would love to see the Cade, Ivy, Asar, Stu, Dern lineup. I think that would be a lot of fun. That's what I'm kind of looking forward to. I think there is a super athletic, super fast paced lineup that would be a lot of fun as well. But still, I'm, I'm as a fan, I'm still into this, this young guys and, and see how they all play out. Yeah, if it's, if it's just like all fun, like let's just get athletes out there and see what happens. Uh, you know, certainly Ivy, certainly Durham, certainly Asar. I think those are the three who are mandatory. And then for the other two, I mean, you can go a, a few different directions, right? Like you could put Cade in there just because he's Cade, right? And then at the four, it's tough because it's like, a, I think there's an athleticism drop once you get past those three guys. So at that point, it's just mixing and matching based on 
maybe plugging holes. So I would just go Cade and, and Bogey just to get some 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 shooting and some scoring in there. But Duran, Ivy, Asar, I think when those three guys are out there, you're going to get some dunks and highlights for sure. All right, we got a few questions here. And then I do kind of have a hard out today, guys. I'm sorry. Uh, my oldest son, Ro, has a flag football game here in just over an hour. And it's a little bit of a drive. So we do have a hard out here, about 60 minutes worth. But last question from the outline. Monty, does Monty Williams have the pieces to situationally win games this year? How competitive will this team be in close games? My quick answer is, Amari, yes. And I think it falls in line with what we've talked about. You can go big, quote unquote, with Stu and Duran and Asar at the three, which should be plenty of defensive rebounding. So they don't lose any games right at the very end on an offensive tip back like we saw last year. If you need three-point shooting, you can put that lineup on the floor. If you want to just get a stop, we outlined what we felt like was a good defensive team and you can go really good isolation defenders or you can go good team defenders. I still don't know how much overall rim protection there is on this team. That's maybe one area they're they're going to struggle with or I'm interested to see what guys can bring. But overall, I do think he has enough pieces and it's going to take some work, but he'll have to figure that out but to be successful in these situations. I agree. I think just you have at least 10 guys on this team who are legitimate NBA players who can definitely help you win games. Monte Morris was a great pickup, uh, basically to replace what Corey Joseph gave you the last two and a half, three years. Uh, Great shooter, great passer, takes care of the ball. Like you really can't go wrong with him in any lineup, but especially... And a we're trying to nurse a late lead or, you know, we're trying to close a late gap. Like, he just fits, I think, any scenario you want. Uh, Cade, Ivy, uh, I, I, even the bigs, right? Like, we kind of struggle to find good lineups for Wiseman and Bagley just because of that skill overlap and what you're getting from Duran and from Isaiah Stewart. But I think along with that, it's still really good to have that depth just because of some of the center matchups in the league. Like Duran will have games where he picks up two early fouls and you probably don't want to burn Isaiah Stewart at, at, at the five too early before you have to. So you stop Wiseman or, or Bagley in there. Now you have Joe Harris, who is really like an X factor this season, right? Because he's coming back from the injury and it seems like lineup wise, he didn't appear in, in a lot of them as well. But again, a really good veteran shooter, a guy who's been capable on defense uh, what he shot, what, 43% from three last year, and that was like a down season for him. So, again, another guy who, who I think you could plug into a lot of lineup to feel good about. So, Monty's going to have a, a good tool chest this season. I'm not sure how it's going to shake out quite yet, but I think in any scenario, he's got a lot of good options, and he's going to have his work cut out in training camp to kind of narrow this list now. Yeah, that's the thing. He's got to figure out who's going to work together, who doesn't, but you have veterans, you have shooters, yeah, all the stuff you just outlined and we've talked about throughout the episode. Yes, Matthew, this exercise was a lot more fun than last season because we didn't yeah. have just the same lineups over and over and over and over and again. And didn't we do it before the Boyan trade? We did too? it before the Boyan. Yeah. We did a lot of stuff before the Boyan trade. Yeah. And so, yeah, I mean, it just, it, it, this was a lot more fun this year. More work on our end, but that's a good thing. It usually lends to a better episode and a lot more fun. So we'll try to get to these three questions real quick. Rise Above says, what's the top three lethal pick and roll duos on the team? I think one has to be Cade and Duran. And if it's not, it needs to be. Like, I think it needs to be. The next one, like, I don't know what other big I really trust in pick and roll. I don't know who the next big to be in. You know what one is I think could be a lot of fun is like a Cade and a Sar 
pick. That's and, what I was going to say. Yeah. I was going to say, can Asar roam and handle that role? I, I, I think he can. I yeah. think he can. The thing about Asar, too, is you could throw him a lob if they mm-hmm. play it a certain way. I like it more in, oh, you want to double Cade out of the ball screen? Okay, we're going to throw it to Asar, and then we're going to have the ball in Asar's hands in the middle of the floor playing four on three. And I trust him even as a rookie to make the right decision there. Now, if they just say, hey, make a mid-range jumper, we'll see. But that one's interesting. I'm trying to think who the next best guard ball handler would be is Ivy. Ivy? Sure. I, Ivy Just because he Ivy got was, downhill pretty well. Yeah. yeah. And he's got a little more nuance putting defenders in jail and snaking than I think what he gets credit for sometimes. I think so. I thought he also developed pretty good or he was at least looking for, you know, Jalen Duran down the stretch last season. I thought he meshed well with the athletic bigs. I think with him and Stewart, there was a lot of uh like filling things out, you know, so maybe that connection became stronger over the offseason. But I, I do think Ivy, you could put Ivy with Duran and, you know, you just have a great vertical athlete in Duran and then the quickest guy on the floor in, in the Ivy. I think that that could really uh, give opposing teams difficulty, especially since Duran can pass it too, right? Yep. You put somebody in the corner, it's just, you have a lot of options there. So I think I think probably Duran is the most versatile lob threat on this team or versatile pick and roll threat. But going back to Asar, I just wondered, about the, the the screening element there, right? Like, I don't know where sure. he would be as a, a screener quite yet. Like, a roller, I feel okay. Like, as a passer, cool. But as a, a screener, I think that would be very matchup dependent for him. YouTube user says, you did it before the Boyan trade this year as well with the little wink face. <laughs> <laughs> well played, my friend. Well played. Uh, he also asked, who is the first off the bench as a guard and a big, and who do they replace? So I think Monte Morris is the first guard to come in, probably for Ivy, which then allows Ivy to run the show a little bit without Cade when you bring him back. And then if Stu isn't starting, I think he's the first big off the bench. If Stu is starting, I think he's the first big off the floor. So again, then he can come back in. So um, if we have that lineup with Ivy and Stu, I guess I would say you're putting in Monte and I guess Isaiah Livers for Stu there. Or maybe a Sar for Stu and then Boyan slides to the four. Something like that would be my guess. Yeah, you have some options there. Uh, First off the bench for the guard, I would say, I would say Monte. I mean, again, just everything he gives you versatility wise, I think you can't really go wrong. I had Duran and Stewart starting, so I think going off of that, your third big in that area would probably be Wiseman if you're committed to really giving them opportunities and seeing what you have in them before he is restricted free agency next summer. So that may be just more of a we need to prioritize the future a bit more than you know just lineup fit or whatever it may be. But for that third big, I probably just would lean Wiseman just because there are some pressing decisions you have to make with him uh, within the next year. All right, guys, this was a lot of fun. I feel like we could get a lot more questions and some different lineups, but this was great. We really appreciate all the interaction. This is some of the best we've ha- interaction we've had in quite honestly the last couple of months. We know it's kind of the off season right now, but training camp's coming soon. And so I know things are going to ramp up. Appreciate all of you that joined us here on Saturday morning. If you're listening on Tuesday or Wednesday, whatever it is, whether it's on the YouTube or the podcast platforms, we appreciate you guys as well. Please continue to leave those ratings, those reviews, those do so much for us. Like I say, we're quickly on our way to 500 Apple and Spotify reviews. It sounds crazy every time I say it, but we're really that close. Wes, appreciate you putting the outline together. That was great. Amari, I know we had to spend some extra time getting our lineups together, but 
made for a great episode, I feel like. Enjoy the rest of your weekend. Omari, take it away, my guy. Yeah, I love, I love Bryce House dad duty here, so I will go ahead and close this out. This was a fun one, and thanks, everybody, for tuning in and for giving us a few more questions at the end. That's yep. not really good. Yep. Uh, so big thanks to our audio producer, Robin Chan, our executive producer, Anjanette Delgado, and our sports editor, Kirkman Crawford. And big shout out to Wes Davenport, as always, and we'll talk to you all next week. <laughs>